Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. I'm Marcy. We are really privileged once again to be joined by Bubba Wheat, uh, the host of the It's Time to Rewind podcast. How are you doing, Bubba Wheat? I'm pretty good. It's good to be back. Good. I appreciate that. So, uh, here we are. This is minute 29. This minute starts with Dalton exposing Pat's little enterprise, and it ends with Tillman celebrating a low body count. This is the skimming episode. This is the episode where we're going to fire our last employee. Based on what Dalton, the way Dalton describes Pat's enterprise, um, his quote is, you're going through a bottle every 30 minutes, you're skimming the till for six shots a bottle on drafts one every 10. Um, did anybody else kind of look up what that means? Are, are we all sort of clear about what exactly he's saying that Pat is doing? I think a few months ago, I binged a lot of Bar Rescue. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's great. So they they go into a lot of this. They, they don't go into the, the details a lot of times because there there's uh, at least relatively few episodes that actually deal with this type of skimming but basically for every i think for every bottle he sells you know he takes six shots of, of money that goes into his pocket and for drafts every 10 drafts that he sells one goes into his pocket Right. So, yeah, so that's exactly what he's saying. So there's one sort of racket he's running for the hard liquor, and then there's another sort of uh, game he's got going with the beer itself. So Dalton says that this is about, it's about $150 a night, uh, which according to the inflation calculator, that would be about $325 in today's dollars. Um, What do we think about that? That doesn't seem like a lot of money to me. You know, it really doesn't. Dalton's getting paid $500 a night. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But remember, this is every night. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it it's not an insignificant amount of money, but could we calculate how much their whole bar revenue is then? Oh, that's a good question. Like I'm not we've sure. got some we've got I mean, maybe we don't need to do it right on the fly here, but I'm just curious what percentage of the overall that might be. So I did a little back of the envelope math based on sort of today's dollars. So if if Pat is skimming $325 a night today and he works five days a week, which might be a bit much, but let's just assume he's working five days a week, 50 weeks out of the year, that's almost an extra $82,000. Whoa. (laughs) <laughs> so $325 a night maybe doesn't seem like a lot, but when you add it up over the course of a whole year, that's a lot of money. Good use of math, Roger. Thank you. I did manage to take three numbers and multiply them together. That's yeah. why I'm a math teacher. <laughs> Yay. Okay. But you're saying that doesn't really seem like it's going to make that big of a dent. Yeah. I don't know. Like like $150 a night. I would agree with you. I mean, out of the entire profits of the out of the profits of the entire night at the bar, maybe $150 isn't that much. So why do you think Dalton is so upset? That's the principle of it. You know, you can't have people stealing from the job, you know, and maintain order. And as we saw in the last, I mean, maybe a couple of clips ago, he's not very stealthy about it. So anybody paying attention to him is going to see that he's ripping his boss off. That's not a good look. Yeah, and and I think it's it's interesting that... You know, this is a guy, he doesn't necessarily need to steal this money. He's, as we find out later in the movie, he comes from wealth, but he's stealing it because he wants to. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, not only does he come from wealth, but he has very powerful friends. There's another person... 
there's all these people that are satisfying their vices in this movie. This another person doesn't need to steal, but he's just doing it for the fun or the thrill of it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he fired the the first bouncer just because he didn't have the right temperament, and and this is basically the same kind of thing for the bartender. He, he yeah. doesn't have the right attitude, yeah. and he he's actually stealing. So after we get Dalton kind of coming up and and exposing what Pat's little game, he and Pat do have this really sort of delightful kind of sneer off at each other. Mm-hmm. They're both kind of making faces at each other. This is sort of I've, in in my minute, it's sort of right around like second. 25 what do we think so if, if we sort of compare dalton and pat in this in this minute like who who wins their face off this is where pat oh, says yeah. you know so what and then dalton says so consider that severance pay and take the train yeah well this dude has got a big chip on his shoulder for just the reason that you all just said like dalton doesn't know him at all and doesn't know that he's connected to this whatever mafia thing that's going on in town so he's just going to come back around. It's like, oh, you can fire me, but you're going to regret that. And he's really playing the sleaze up on his side. Like, especially if I, he's really, you know, working the, the mustache and the big teeth. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. He, he has a, a look. Sorry, go ahead, Marcy. And a terrible, another terrible cutoff shirt. This one doesn't even look like it's made to have no sleeves. Like it's a tank top. It looks like he cut his own sleeves into it maybe tim maybe dalton's rule of thumb is to just go through and fire all the employees that don't dress well yeah right because <laughs> he got uh morgan and then uh steve and now he's about to he's about to whack pat of course then we get this exchange between pat and tillman uh, which i think is great i really enjoy how you know it, it certainly seems like for the first time tillman has had to like stand up and kind of assert himself and i actually really love how subtle that that exchange is because i think in a lesser movie they would have gone right away with do you know who my uncle is you're making a big mistake mm-hmm. he just hey, he played it very subtle he's just like are you sure and then uh, the the owner just gives a quick side eye you know, where he hesitates just a little bit before he's like, yeah. Yeah. And then the way that he says it, like, it's almost like he can just sort of barely have the courage to get those words out. He's just sort of like, get out. Yeah. I think it's a nice touch too, that when Pat does his thing with his, uh, his dish rag and he chucks it in Tillman's chest. Um, I have written down in my notes here, like he's, I don't think it's an accident that he's like putting a target on Tillman's chest at this point. Like, cause oh. this is clearly setting up kind of the, the middle act of the movie. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I didn't interpret it like that, but that's good. I mean, if you think about it, if Dalton hadn't fired Pat, maybe the rest of what's about to happen in this movie, I don't know. What do we think? Do we think that the rest of kind of the antagonism with Brad Wesley, like, is this the inciting incident? Or is it what happens later on with Doc and his jealousy? Or is it some combination of the two? I think it it would still happen. It would just take a little bit longer. So instead of firing Pat, it would be whenever whenever he comes to collect his uh, extortion money. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. Because then Dalton's going to stand up for Red. And that's going to be kind of when he needs to come in and clean up the town. Well, and I'm sure he'd be he'd come in for the extortion money to the double deuce as well. 
Oh, you know what? That's a really good point too. We never get that scene. I guess it's sort of irrelevant at that point because the battle lines have already been drawn, but um, we never get a case of Wesley trying to come in and, and get his Jasper Improvement Society money for sure. <laughs> what else we have here? I want to give my man James McIntyre. He gets another, he's got another nice shot here. So if you go ahead to second 48, so just in case you were wondering Bubble Week, because I can't imagine you would know who this is. In the scene right after Pat gets fired, there's a guy on the far left in a gray t-shirt who's kind of looking at him like, oh my God, what just happened? Um, his, the actor's name is James McIntyre. Marcia, are you seeing him now? Are you, it's a gray t-shirt on the yeah. far left. Oh, he's standing behind he's, the bar with Dalton. He's right there. So his name is James McIntyre. He's an uncredited person in this movie. Oh, right. His name in the IMDb, in the uncredited section, is bartender parentheses, leaded or unleaded. He's the person who says out loud to Dalton, do you want it leaded or unleaded? And then gives him coffee. And he's going to have another line later in the movie, and he's uncredited. Do you I, think think this, I think this is, this is an outrage. This is now his this is now his like, second scene. There's like he's one of their best friends and they just did that to mess with him. I think this is I think what's more likely is that he's one of their best friends and he just sort of thought it would be fun to be in the movie and didn't care about getting credited. That's mm-hmm. the only reason I can justify uh, an acting performance of this quality being so criminally unrecognized. <laughs> Yeah, and anyway. I think his look, he, he reminds me just a little bit, I, I think, of like a young Steve Zahn. <laughs> That's a good point. What else? I mean, the last part of this minute is another classic Tillman line, which is where he says, well, it was a good night. Nobody died. <laughs> I know that that's hyperbole, but do you think that uh, somebody actually has died in the bar? That's a really good question, Bubba Wheat. Um, well, there's eyeballs rolling all over the place. So Yeah, according to Frank Tillman at the beginning, this is the sort of place where you're always sweeping the eyeballs off the floor. Do I think that somebody has died in a double deuce? Mm. I'm going to say no. I don't know. What do you think, Marcy? I don't think so. I feel like dead people, it's not really good for business. So maybe well, not that a- far. As if the rest of the things that were going in in the double deuce before Dalton got here were good for business. I'm going to say the people here are just not like, I don't know, they just don't seem to, like, they're they're happy to get into sort of a chaotic fist fight. But I don't really see a lot of, I don't feel like people here have the the ability to, like, close the deal on that. Could someone have accidentally died, like when that guy pulled a switchblade? I don't know. I still feel like no. What do you (laughs) think? What do you think, Bubble Wheat? Yeah, I think the bar is mostly posturing. It's it's basically like an old west bar, where you know the except without the guns. The, the guns do come into play later in the movie, but for the most part, they they don't bring the the guns out in the bar. It's just fists and occasional knives. I think that's a good connection. I mean, everybody who's worked on this movie has acknowledged the fact that. It is essentially a Western. At the time, this was, you know, in the late 80s, they weren't really making a lot of actual Westerns, right? You got to go ahead to like Unforgiven probably before we resurrect the the Western genre. And so this movie was attempting to be sort of the classic Western formula. And so I think that's why you get not only sort of the behavior that you would have seen in an old West saloon, but I think as Marcy pointed out on a previous minute, it just kind of looks like a dingy saloon at least 
at the beginning of this movie for sure. Anybody have any other thoughts about the action in this movie or in this minute should say? No, I, I like the, the last line, which we don't get to hear all of it, but uh, whenever he says that uh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And that that's a very telling line. Yeah, that is a telling line. So yeah, we were going to talk about that either this minute or next minute. So let's talk about it now. Where do we think that line comes from? Is that just sort of Dalton coming from past experience? Is there something particularly about this situation that is making him into this, you know, foreteller of doom and gloom? Well, I I just took it as, you know, this, he wasn't expecting it to go as far as it goes in the movie. But, and we'll, we'll see in just one more minute that he, he does come prepared for the backlash. So he, he did expect some sort of backlash. He, he just didn't expect it to go as hard as it does. Yeah. yeah, that seems right. I don't think we think at this point that Dalton realizes that he's like starting a vendetta with Brad Wesley. I don't even think he understands the connection yet. Well, no, I don't think he is expecting to have a Brad Wesley in the community. Right. Well, I mean, he knows who Brad Wesley is at this point. I just don't think he knows the connection yet between Pat and Wesley. Yeah. Um, Because they, you know, Emmett was the one who kind of clued him in on that since they're next door neighbors now. There is one little, um, like, uh, scenery detail that that I noticed that I I think is interesting. I, I like looking into little background details uh, the, the cash register has a warning Pinkertons on it. Oh, fun. I noticed and, that too for the first time. Go ahead. And I, I did just like a quick wiki search and apparently Pinkertons is like, um, I think the, the best way to do it, the, the best uh, analog to it would be like secured by Brinks. So, so I, it's, it was like a security company back in the day and, and and it goes like way back to to the old west days too like the eight, late 1800s i think yeah that i did not notice that either until tonight when i was watching uh the rewatching the minutes again before we started recording so from from my understanding it's it's probably not an accident that we find pinkertons there i mean maybe it's just what you see on the back of a cash register but the the pinkertons if i remember correctly from history were sort of a a notorious private security force. And they were notorious for being like, if you're John D. Rockefeller and you need to break up a strike at U.S. Steel, you hire the Pinkertons and they just come in and like crack everybody's skull. Oh, like physically hurt people? Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah, they're strike breakers. Right. The, the, The Pinkertons were... Like they, you, they employed the Morgan, they, they were from the Morgan school of strike breaking hmm. their, their first move is to just come in with bats and just try to, you know, clear out the, clear out the scene. So maybe this, maybe the sticker here is essentially trying to warn Dalton, like, Hey, you're about to get yourself into a world of violence with this road. You're about to go down. No, that's a really good, that's a really good catch. Thank you for catching that. I've got one note here from the director's commentary, uh, just from a trivia standpoint. So he was talking the director, Raddy Harrington was talking about how the, the film was shot using this special kind of lens, um, called a Panavision anamorphic lens, which allows you to shoot scenes in widescreen. Uh, and I think we've seen this already in a couple of minutes, but the, the type of camera that they use, like if you go to sort of the end of this, when Pat does his little baseball with a dish rag, like everybody in the scene is in focus. And that's not what you usually get when you're shooting uh, camera scenes. And there's going to be other scenes we've seen in this, see in this movie where 
you kind of have a chance to see a lot more going on at the same time than you might otherwise. In our character actor spotlight for this minute, since he's quite the center of attention, I think we're going to talk a little bit about Pat the bartender. So in a previous minute, Bubba, we, we talked about the actor who played him, uh, a guy named John Doe, who's a famous punk rock musician. Uh, but let's talk about Pat. So what do we know about Pat? He was yeah. a bartender. He's about to get, fu- he, he's just gotten fired. He sports a terrible mustache. <laughs> terrible you know, mustache. Did you guys see the, um, when we first had it to deal with masks for COVID, there was this um, graphic that came out about like which facial hair you could successfully like seal under a mask and mm-hmm. that all had their different different names of things and i wonder if that particular mustache style with like the cutout in the middle is this is a named mustache that's a really good question let me see if i can find out for you yeah i don't know if that this would necessarily be a it comes down very low like covid safe mask or a mustache, I should say. I think that one would work because you can get a seal all the way around. It's It was the beards where there was like hair coming out in all directions that the mask is a no-go for. Yeah, we've seen some of those people too. Gosh, where can I find? I, I, have, I have exactly the image that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to tell you what his, uh, what what would we call his particular mustache? You know what? I think according to this graphic, we might call it the chevron. The chevron. The chevron. And the chevron is okay. You can wear a chevron with your mask. That seems right. You he know, would be okay. Like it he, would fit in there. What else do we know about Pat? So these are a couple of details we're going to learn about him in the future. He's related to Brad Wesley. Apparently he has a weak constitution. Uh, and what else? So we're going to see much later in the movie. He really enjoys firing a shotgun. Like he exhibits, uh, let's just say, an exaggerated amount of pleasure when he fires off his shotgun. But not that great gun safety as he starts out with with, uh, scratching his back with it. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Anybody have any other thoughts about Pat? I mean, this is obviously not the last time we're going to see Pat. He is going to feature prominently in several other parts of the movie. But uh, any other thoughts about Pat, the character of Pat, the bartender right now? He's, I mean, his look is like a prototypical uh, greasy sleazeball. Mm. He's got the dark, slick back hair, the the bad mustache. He's chewing gum constantly, and he's wearing the, the tank top. Yeah, if we thought that Steve was slacking off in the last minute, like this is sort of, this is taking slacking to like the next level. Uh, I don't, I don't think we've seen anybody else with this sort of greasy hair style. That's a good point that you made. Is there anybody else whose hair looks this kind of? No, pretty much everybody else is, uh, you know, eighties feathered or permed or or mulleted, but not Pat. Well, all right. What do you say? We talk about Dalton's three rules for this minute. Let's talk about rule number one, never underestimate your opponent. Uh, what do we think about rule number one in this minute? I think Dalton actually does underestimate him because he doesn't know enough about him yet. He thinks that it's a simple firing, but he's going to learn that it's not going to be that at all. That's a good point. I don't think it certainly seems like Pat did not expect to get fired in this minute. I don't think he expected Tillman to be willing to stand up to him. Yeah, I've got that down in my notes too. So this is probably a new, like maybe Tillman's tried to address this situation before, but now Tillman has some muscle behind him and he's not as afraid to stand up to the Wesley crew. This first night, I think there are lots of good examples of 
people at the double deuce now being a lot more brave just because Dalton is there. I mean, we saw that with Hank. Mm. Now in this minute, we see it with Tillman. Uh, and we're going to see it coming up in future minutes with some of the other folks on the staff. What about for rule number two? Take it outside. Uh, never start anything in the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Marcy, what do you think about rule number two? It would feel awkward if they actually went outside to have this conversation. It seems like it's an after-hours situation as it is. What do you think about Dalton firing Pat in front of everybody? That's a lot. You know, like... But I think Pat's got that kind of personality that if you said, hey, can I talk to you in the office, he's going to make a scene anyway. This guy's not going out without kicking. So, And I think this is still part of Dalton's power move. Like he's, he's still asserting right. his, his dominance as the cooler of this bar and what Dalton says, says goes. And he's shown it a couple times already, but this it's important for him to do this in front of everybody. He did at least wait until after hours, so he, he's not doing it in front of uh, customers, but he is doing it in front of the staff, so they, they can see that he means business. Mm-hmm. I, think that's, I think that's a good point. How about rule number three? Were we nice? I think, you know, Dalton's handling himself very professionally, you know, just very matter-of-fact about what's going on and why he's getting fired. And on the flip side, Pat is sort of, I would say, Pat is not being very nice in this minute. I, I think uh, at least, you know, as far as the type of character that the Pat's concerned, he is being nice because he he's he's being nice in Pat's mind where he's giving Tillman the opportunity. Like he's being nice. Are you sure you want to do this? Like I, I'm being nice. I'm giving you the opportunity to get out of this. Do we think just to kind of close the loop on this particular scene, do we think that Pat thought that he was going to be able to get Tillman? Like, what do you think Pat thought was realistically going to happen? Do you think he thought that he could get Tillman to kind of back down and uh, give him his job back? Because he's probably done that before. He's probably gone around this, you know, you're, you're stealing from me. And then, you know, he gets muscled into keeping the guy on staff. That's true. So we're going to see in not very many minutes from now, we're going to see a scene where, let's just say, people try to help Pat get his job back. Um, Marcy, you're saying you feel like that scene we're about to see has happened a couple of times before. Yeah, because, you know, Tillman kind of gives him a look where he's just a little bit unsure of himself before he kind of stands up to him. I really like, and I I know that it was mentioned before, but right before Tillman does, in fact, confirm that he wants to fire Pat, he just does this really quick side eye at Dalton, Mm -hmm. like looking at him like, you got me? Okay, good. You're fired. Yeah. Right? It's not the first time he's done that. We saw him do that when Dalton fired Morgan. Tillman was, you know, looking at him like, you sure you got this? Okay, I guess we'll be all right. And he does the side eye twice during that that scene mm. he looks at him twice and then after he goes through with it do you even get like a few seconds of him it looks like he's a little extra nervous breathing heavily until he makes the joke about nobody dying to defuse the situation all right well on our wednesday shows uh so bubble weed on our wednesday shows we like to sort of have a little fun with our guests and ask uh ask them a pretty simple question 
Which one of Brad Wesley's henchmen do you feel like you most resemble or identify with? I feel like I would identify with the uh, the fat guy the most. With Tinker. Yeah. So uh, that's that's not bad at all. In fact, you're the you're the second guest we've had who has picked out Tinker. <laughs> what is it about Tinker that you feel like you would most closely identify with? I mean, I, I feel like he is there because he has to be more than he wants to be and he's just doing this to to survive and then as soon as the tide changes then he uses that as an excuse to you know flip sides and get himself out of the situation and he's just i think out of all of them he's he doesn't get a lot of funny lines but he does he gets I think he gets the funniest line in the entire movie for me. The the one at the end where he, he just like a polar bear a polar bear fell on me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, out of all of Brad Westy's henchmen, he certainly seems like probably the nicest one. Yeah. So maybe that's why as well. You know, I think I'd like to think that the people we're bringing on our podcast are nice people. <laughs> um, if you had said Jimmy, that might have given me some cause for concern. Yeah, we'd have to check your earrings. Or your throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bubba Wee, before we close, can you just tell us all again where we can catch you on the internet? Sure. Uh, the My main podcast that I'm doing right now is It's Time to Rewind, and you can find that on anchor.fm. The first season should be done. It's uh, Groundhog Day after day after day. And the second season, Trapped in the Twilight Zone. I, I'm not sure when... This episode will be coming out, but uh, Trapped in the Twilight Zone should be should be starting either November or December of 2021 here. And uh, my main site where I do written reviews of superhero and comic book movies is flightstightsandmovienights.com. And uh, that's that's been going for almost 10 years. I'm about uh, almost 600 uh, superhero and comic book movies into it are you a fan of the watchman um movie or series yeah i I like i'm one of the ones that likes the movie i haven't watched the series i haven't watched the movie yet but i watched the series and read the book this summer and i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed how the the series was had jumped off from the book quite a bit um so I'm interested to see the movie and kind of compare all those different interpretations. Yeah, I, I think the movie is quite a bit different. And I, I know of like one of the biggest changes, which I like the change in the movie where they got rid of the giant squid. Uh, uh, but I do know that the the series does reference the giant squid. So it's it's definitely based uh, at least a bit more on the comic books than the movie itself. Yeah, cool. I'm going to go out on a limb and say whichever one is not being directly controlled by Zack Snyder is probably the better vehicle, (laughs) but that's just me. Sorry. That might just be a hot take by me. Which one would that be to you? That would be the series, not the movie. Uh, All right. Well, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at The New Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at RHMinute. And you can email us at DaltonSaysBeNice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye.